Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, listening friends, to the Gospel Grace radio broadcast. I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located in the Bartahatchee community outside of Caledonia, Mississippi, on Wolf Road, 40283 Wolf Road. We meet 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning and would love you to join us. And I also welcome you on behalf of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road, right there on Highway 15 in between Matheston and Ackerman, Mississippi. They also meet at 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning. Their wonderful pastor is Elder David Wise, who assists me in this radio ministry. Ministry, and we would love for y'all to come and visit with us. Also, feel free to visit Clear Springs Primitive Baptist Church any second, third, fourth, or fifth Sunday. They do not meet on the first Sunday, but all the other Sundays at 1030 a.m. they meet, and they're located at 55 Tahoe Road in Mabin, Mississippi. Wonderful folks, and they will treat you so well. Go and visit with any of us, and we'll be glad to meet you. Uh, we invite you to go to gospel-of-grace.com. That's the website that services that is a service of this broadcast, and we want you to contact us via that website. Uh, there are archived messages, uh, frequently asked questions, church locators, links. We would love for you to join us. We also meet at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening uh, at 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi, on the grounds of New Covenant Church. 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening, we have an abbreviated worship service, and then we have a meal together. And we want to be specifically there for not only Mississippi State students, but also uh, citizens of Starkville. And we desire to meet you and to worship Jesus Christ with you. Uh, have you ever just taken for granted the parable of the Good Samaritan? Have you ever just seen it as just a, you know, just a, a fable just something that is a happy little thing to consider. We hope and pray in this series of messages that we're bringing for you that you will be able to see a deeper meaning and in, uh, get a greater spiritual fulfillment out of the consideration of this very commonly known parable called the Good Samaritan. And uh, after today's hymn, we'll be right back with today's installment. Let us sing of Jesus and his Glorious love and the wonderful grace that made you free. 
Thank you, listening friends, for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm your friend, Elder Joe Nettles, turned in my 1611 King James translation to Luke chapter 10. This being the third installment in this series on the parable of the Good Samaritan. Somebody may say, Brother Joe, did you really need to use three uh, installments to cover the Good Samaritan? I'm telling you what, I still can't get it all preached. God's word is so good. It's like a buffalo steak. The more you chew it, the bigger it gets. But unlike a buffalo steak, the more you chew it, the richer it gets. It's wonderful. There's no exhausting the marvels of the word of God. I'm just a little old uh, little old servant just trying to do the best I can. So, yes, we're going to start in the third installment today. And for context's sake, we'll read the Good Samaritan. Now, this parable of the Good Samaritan, as it's so commonly called in the world today, was a response of Jesus Christ to a question, a self-serving, self-righteous question uh, that I believe a lawyer was uh, bringing before him in Luke chapter 10. I believe this lawyer wanted a pat on the back. You know, uh, when Jesus told him, what readeth the law? This man wanted to inherit eternal life. He asked, what good thing might I do that I may inherit eternal life? And the Lord told him, well, love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor as thyself. And this man, hoping to justify himself, says, well, who is my neighbor? And I think he wanted Jesus to say, you know you know who your neighbor is? It's the one you've been serving. You've been doing such a good job, lawyer. You've been doing wonderful. Let me pat you on the back. Bless your heart. No, that's what he wanted. But Jesus replied unto him with this parable. And in this parable, we'll begin reading and uh, we'll say uh, in verse 30, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. In installment one in this series, we looked at this priest, how this priest represents, my friends, those who see themselves as religiously exceptional, certainly too exceptional to bow down and help somebody in need like this. I mean, good gracious, this man probably asked for he was probably living a, a sinful and damnable life. And that's why this misfortune befell him. Uh, I certainly, as, as a priest, I don't need to go down and minister to him. Well, my goodness, what is a priest supposed to do? To minister to people in need. And we see how this man represents those who are religiously, see themselves as religiously exceptional. Then next in verse 32, it says, and likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him. And look, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. He passed by him like he wasn't even there, just like the priest did. Now, a Levite was specifically stated here. And again, the Lord does nothing without a purpose. And I personally believe that the purpose of him stating this Levite, now a Levite was of the tribe of Levi, and they had some exceptional uh, sanctifying qualities that the Lord had, had set them apart to special service. He'd even called them his instead of the firstborn that openeth the matrix. We covered that uh, in a previous installment in this. I think it's an installment number two. And I think here we see one that represents those who see themselves as culturally and genetically exceptional. I believe this man said, hey, I'm a Levite. Even Moses was a Levite. I mean, we're exceptional. God, the 10 Northern tribes have basically lost all of their identity. But here we Levites are still with our identity among the uh, the Jews. Uh, he saw himself as exceptional, that he was culturally worthy and that he was genetically exceptional. And he didn't need to bow down and help this man. 
And brothers and sisters, we've tried to point out uh, how that uh, that is totally contrary to the uh, essence of God and how he deals with us. And then in verse 33, it said, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Here is a Samaritan who is representative of Jesus Christ, of God's dynamic toward us. When we were left powerless, when we were left broken in sin, dead in trespasses and sins. Oh, I know this man said he was half dead and he was wounded, but he represents us, my friends, who had a complete and total devastating deadly fall spiritually in sin when we fell in Adam, corrupted from the ways and the love and the affection uh, toward God. Thank God, God has always had an unchanging love and affection toward his elect, even when we didn't realize it. Okay, it said here, this Samaritan came where he was. He bowed down to where this man was to help him and to render aid. And that's what God did for us. We tried to point that out last time. And now let's continue on with verse 34 of this good Samaritan parable. Verse 34 reads of this good Samaritan and went to him and bound up his wounds. Again, as we said, we were devastated by sin when we fell in Adam, my friends. There's, according to Romans chapter three, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. There's none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God. There is none righteous, no, not one. That's descriptive of every man's nature having fallen in Adam. And unless the Lord comes to that one, he will never make one motion toward God in a holy, reverential way. You tell a dead alien sinner to accept Jesus Christ as his savior. It's like me going to a graveyard and telling somebody, get up out of the grave and I'll give you some barbecue. It's just that silly. But yet that has become espoused as the primary view of uh, called the Armenian view among religious circles today. And it ought not be because it's contrary to the word of God, my friends. And I would encourage you to believe the word of God. Here it says, Jesus or the Samaritan, excuse me, uh, he represents Jesus. But here, verse 34, he went to him and bound up his wounds. Notice what it said of uh, the sins of Israel. And again, that's representative of our broken state in sin. Isaiah chapter one, verse five through six. Why should you be stricken anymore? I mean, again, why should you beat a dead person anymore? Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot, even to the head. There's no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. You see, this is the state of this man on the road to Jericho. And friends, it is just a glimpse of the devastating state of us having fallen in sin in the transgression of Adam, and in our willing sinfulness in our lives, day by day living in that fall of sin. Okay, notice the words, the charge, as it were, of the Lord Jesus Christ quoted from Isaiah. Here Jesus proclaimed this as he opened the scroll and he read uh, in the synagogue in Luke chapter four, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me 
to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm t that's how he started. Don't ever take for granted the power of the gospel. Don't ever take for granted how much the gospel should mean in your life. Because in all of these blessed charges that were given unto Jesus, all of which he has fulfilled, the preaching of the gospel to the poor was utmost and stated first. I'll tell you, my friends, we ought to cherish the gospel of Jesus Christ. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. All those who've been beaten and battered by sin, all those who are sick and are in need of a physician, Friends, God has not left us without a physician. Oh, Jesus Christ, the good physician, has come. And he has ministered to us, not only eternally, but as we learn more about him in a spirit-changed heart, oh, we grow and our wounds heal. Oh, how wonderful it is to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, it also said, it went on to say, pouring in oil and wine. That's a lot of us. Because if i got a cut or a bobo, it's going to be some peroxide, maybe some Bactroban ointment. But in this day, when they lacked so much of the advancements that we have today, they poured in oil and wine. It was well known among the Jews that this was a, 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 a sanctifying mixture that would be put on men when they were circumcised or young, young children when they were circumcised to help uh, soothe and to fight the infection. This is speaking of that which is nutritive. Pouring in oil. You see, the oil, my friends, was always representative in the Word of God, has always been representative of spiritual light and blessings. It was that oil that consecrated the priests and all of the objects of the tabernacle and later the temple. You see, anointed with what? Spirit. The lamps of the virgins in Matthew chapter 25, the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. What made the difference? Uh, some had left their oil run out and some still had their oil and they were prepared spiritually to meet the Messiah and to give him the honor due unto him. It represents spiritual life and light. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Ghost, uh, emblematic of that anointing oil in the Old Testament. In Acts chapter 10, it speaks of Jesus being anointed, Acts 10, 38, anointed by the Holy Ghost, speaking of his baptism, and that was when the Holy Ghost, in the form of a dove, came and descended upon him. He was anointed. You see, that's, emblem that's emblematic of oil. And look at wine. Wine, my friends, is always emblematic of blood and joy. You see, the cup of the New Testament, it was a cup of wine that Jesus gave to his disciples, in that upper room and told them to drink ye all of it. This was representative of the blood of the New Testament. You see, fellowship and cleansing from sin, according to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, that blood uh, gives us fellowship and cleansing from sin. How wonderful, how sanctifying, how glorious it is. Don't be ashamed to, to sing uh, about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Don't be embarrassed that you're part of a bloody religion. I'm telling you, Jesus has shed all the blood we ever need to shed, and it's been done. It's been satisfied in the eyes of God. You see, that blood, according to Hebrews 9, 14, is able to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So oil is emblematic of the Spirit, wine of the blood and of the joy of Jesus Christ. So this was poured into this unworthy creature. 
that the Samaritan came to minister unto. And it said, And set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn, a place of safety, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. Oh yes, there was a time when the Samaritan had to go. My friends, the things concerning Jesus, he said, have an end. Uh, Jesus said, it's expedient for me if I go away that the comforter will come. But just because, my friends, Jesus is not here on the earth today shedding his blood on a cruel cross, it doesn't mean that the blood he shed 2,000 years ago didn't do exactly what it was intended to do. And this is what we see a picture of here. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, two coins, two pieces of money, and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Oh, friends, let me tell you something. Those, let's look at those two pence, those two coins. Uh, they, they're synonymous with denarii, which was a, a manner of money, a designation of money in the Roman Empire. This two pence, they were identical in size, identical in shape, and identical in worth. Now, I don't want to be overly spiritually spiritualizing things in the Word of God, but I also don't want to be under-spiritualizing things in the Word of God. I believe these two pence stand for something. I don't know exactly what it stands for. Uh, I, I, I love the duality, though, in the Word of God. We see uh, entities that so harmoniously come together, okay? Look at uh, those two pence as blessings eternal and temporal, we see how the Lord Jesus Christ saved us from eternal woe and misery, and the knowledge of Jesus in the church saves us from temporal or timely, earthly woes and miseries. I love those two pence. What about the Old Testament and the New Testament? My friends, both identical in their inspiration, both of them worthy, not one more important than the other, and they work together. Uh, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. I love those two pence. Amen. Well, let's look at grace and mercy. Grace, my friends, is receiving that good thing that you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving the bad things you do deserve. I love those two pence. What about what we have in the church, the ordinances? We only have two ordinances, two pence in the New Testament church. We have baptism and we have the Lord's Supper or communion. I love those, my friends. Baptism is where every individual gets to show his fidelity to the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it uh, acquired. And in the Lord's Supper, that is a group collective effort where we come together in a common union with the church. It not Baptism highlights the individual. The communion highlights the group, the collective. And my friends, I love those two pence. I love my individual walk with Christ, but I also love the manifestation of the Holy Ghost where two or more are gathered together in his name. I love those two pence. What about uh, the, the Lord seeketh such to worship him? The Father seeketh such to worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. I've been to some churches that had lots of spirit. Jump up and down, jump up and down, jump up and down. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Wave your hands back and forth. Plenty of spirit and desire and fervor to worship Jesus. But I can tell you what, my friends, they couldn't tell you a lick about what the Bible said. And then you could go to some churches that were proud about how much they knew about the Bible, but yet they were totally dead in spiritual fervor because they'd lost their first love and they'd lost sight of the beauties of the grace and mercy of the Lord and what he's done for us. No, my friends, we need spirit and truth. Don't give up one of those pence. I want them both. I want two pence. 
I love the Bible. The New Testament teaches me how we're justified in time. We're justified by faith and justified by works. Justified by faith is an experience I have strictly unto myself, that you have strictly in yourself. It is individual, okay? It is subjective. But then we also see being justified by works, being how people see us live out our faith, and they, in their judgment, declare that, we're just. They believe us to be a born-again child of God. So not only can you feel it in your heart, you can be emboldened by the church around you that fellowships with you. I love those two pence. Give me both of them. Amen. Justified by faith and justified by works. And you know, also, uh, I read in one place that this uh, two pence, this uh, denarii, this was also equal to the Hebrews as a half shekel. And if you look at the Old Testament law, that was the price of redemption for an Israelite when they counted the people. Oh, I'll tell you, my friends, there's so much in those two pence. And you can find that reference in Exodus chapter 20, verses 12 through 13. Now, notice the wording here. He said, whatsoever he owes. The Samaritan said, when I come again, I'll pay. What was this Samaritan saying? He's saying, you know what? I'll be surety. S-U-R-E-T-Y. I'll be the surety for this man. That means that not only have I paid for him up to now, whatever transpires, whatever debt he accrues, I'm going to make good for it. I promise that I will make good for it. And friends, we see Jesus Christ as our surety. Hebrews 7.20, And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath. But this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Jesus is a better priest. He has a better priesthood. And he's the surety of a better testament. And notice in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, notice here, there's not a debt you can accrue that Jesus didn't satisfy 2,000 years ago on the cross, my friends. Romans chapter 8, verse 37, the apostle Paul here bragging on the Lord, bragging on eternal security, bragging on the Lord's ability to save, and scoffing, as it were, at anyone who would dare challenge the elect of God. He said, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Not only is my debt paid up to now, my debt, my friends, will be paid forevermore throughout eternity in, in heaven. I'm secure and preserved in the love and the mercy and the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Why? Because it's in, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He's our surety. He's paid the debt and he's promised the debt will be satisfied. It has been. He said, it is finished on the tree of the cross and he meant it. He is our surety. Oh, this verse of a beautiful hymn. Notice this. Speaking of Jesus, my guilt was on my surety laid, and therefore he must die. His soul a sacrifice was made for such a worm as I. Was ever love so great as this? Was ever grace so free? This is my glory, joy, and bliss that Jesus died for me. Oh, my guilt was on my surety laid. I'm so very thankful, my friends, that he's paid all of my sin debt. 
In Romans chapter 3, it speaks about those sins that are behind. The I'll tell you, Jesus paid for them with his blood. He is the true propitiation. He did exactly what he needed to do. And notice in Romans 8 there, it started off with two very important words. Don't overlook it. What is unable to separate you from the love of God, which is in your surety, Christ Jesus? I can tell you, what debt would Jesus not pay? I'll tell you, he's going to pay it all for his elect. Because he said, neither death nor life. Friends, let me tell you something. We often hear soul savers and preachers, evangelists standing up and saying, oh my goodness, if you don't make your decision for Christ tonight, if you don't do it right now, and you leave out of here and you choke on a ham sandwich or you die in a motorcycle crash, you'll bust hell wide open. I'm telling you what, if Jesus Christ shed his blood for you, if his spirit dwells within you, brothers and sisters, if you're in his eternal covenant of grace, if your name's written on the Lamb's book of life, it can't be removed. I'll tell you, it doesn't matter how you can be found in your death can separate you <clears throat> from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And what about your life? Think about it. That's not an accidental word. Your life. What in your life could you, heir of promise, child of grace, elect child of God? I'll tell you, if you stand a believer today, if you believe in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, that's your evidence that you're an elect child of God. He's loved you before the world began. Heaven will be your home. What could you in your life do from this moment on to undo that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's why we've been made more than conquerors through him that hath loved us. Oh, brothers and sisters. Oh, isn't this parable so wonderful? We think about our Lord Jesus Christ and all he's done for us. Oh, I'm thankful for the Samaritan. I'm thankful that he healed this man who had been physically wounded and tormented, but I'm thankful for the greater fulfillment of it and what it points to and the work of my Redeemer and my surety, Jesus Christ, for a worm like me. Oh, heaven will be my home, not because of who I am or what I do. Heaven will be my home because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. Until we're able to speak with you again on this subject, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ shower down upon you all today. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under Podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caldonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 
and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.